Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. David here. Politically Sound is on a short break, but we wanted to take this opportunity to bring you some of the other amazing content we have here at CNN Audio. So today, I'm happy to share with you one of the last episodes of my friend Dr. Sanjay Gupta's podcast, Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. In this episode, Sanjay is joined by none other than Dr. Anthony Fauci to look back at the pandemic, relive the past year plus of nonstop press conferences and media appearances, and discuss what comes next. But don't worry, Sanjay has a new podcast. It's called Chasing Life, where he's going to look ahead at how we can find a healthier and more productive new normal. Please check that out and follow it wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, I hope you'll enjoy this excellent conversation between Sanjay and Dr. Fauci, and we'll talk to you again soon. Go out, wear a mask, stay six feet away from anyone. When we look back on this pandemic... Who and what will we remember? For many, Dr. Anthony Fauci is at the top of the list. He's the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And I got to say, at this point, he's a personal friend. Today, he's joining me to look back on the past year of nonstop press conferences and media appearances and also to just stop and reflect and think about what comes next. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta. CNN's chief medical correspondent. And this is Coronavirus, Fact versus Fiction. Obviously, from day one of this pandemic, you've been the most visible face of this this entire battle against COVID-19. Do you ever wish that it hadn't fallen on you? Do, do you wish that it maybe had fallen on someone else? It's complicated, Sanjay. No. I mean, I accept and welcome the opportunity to have an impact because I I do know the things I can do well and the things that I would prefer not to do. The one thing that I, um, I wouldn't say bothers me, but that is really extraordinary is that even when I... um, speak about the things that are the policies of institutions like the CDC, which, as you Mm. and I both know, is the premier public health organization in the world. They have dozens and dozens of epidemiologists who spend all of their time working hard to get things right. I get up and say something that is essentially exactly explicitly talking about what they're saying And the uh, extremists personalize it. But being the person who's out front doing it, I I don't shy away from that because I think I could have a positive impact. I got to say, sometimes I think to myself, if I was in your shoes, I might just throw my hands up and want to walk away. And have you felt that way? No, I I haven't, uh, Sanjay, because I really liken it to, you know, when you're taking care of a patient, um, and you know, and, I, and you and I have both these experiences. You're taking care of a patient, 
they're really, really very ill, but either because of their own personality or because of the effect of the disease on them, they're a very, very difficult patient. You don't walk away from them Mm. because of that. You still try and comfort them, save them, make them better. So it's almost as if I throw up my hands and I'm walking away from my patient, which is the country. And I don't want to do that. You know, you've talked a lot about how things have changed with the Biden administration. Um, We see more of you. We hear more from you and all that. What is it like now with the Biden administration? Well, it certainly is completely different, Sanjay. But the thing about it that I find very um, positive is that the tone was set from President Biden from the very first day. You know, he, he was saying this before he was elected. He was saying it following election before the inauguration. And he made it very clear to us immediately after that science and truth is going to rule. If it's inconvenient, so be it. But it's going to rule evidence and data. And the thing that is so, I, I would say, enjoyable, Sanjay, is that we really do have a team of medical people who bounce things off each other, disagree a bit, come back, come to a, to a, a kind of an agreement that we all can live with. Uh, and you really do feel like you're, you're involved with a team that's all pulling together, all on the foundation of let's get it right and let's do it based on data. And it isn't something that's intermittent. It's, it's really a full-time job. I heard you give a number the other day, for example, if we fall below fewer than 10,000 cases per day, that would be an indication to you that we are now maybe heading into containment mode versus just mitigation mode. If you keep the same metaphor of talking to your patient, how important is it to inject certainty into these discussions? That's a great question, Sanjay. If you give an impression that you're really certain and it doesn't happen, that's when you get a credibility issue. But people want to know something. So people say, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up. When would I feel comfortable uh, that I think things are really getting to the point where we can start approaching normality? Well, for darn sure, it's not 60,000 new cases a day. Is it 10,000? Maybe. I think so. I mean, but I don't know for certain until you're there. So what happens is that we tend to, and it's understandable, I I don't resent that at all, that people demand a number. So if you were to ask me, when do you think um, that we can start approaching normality? And I told you, Sanjay, I don't have a clue. I do not know. So you'll never get me and say, aha, you gave me a number and you're wrong. But you will say, isn't this guy even thinking about it? Isn't he trying Mm -hmm. to figure it out? So Mm -hmm. you give a guesstimate. And then if the guesstimate is correct, great. If the guesstimate is not, well, then you say, well, I told you from the beginning I wasn't sure, but this is a number. The, the, The thing about officials giving numbers is that you're held accountable. 
it's interesting, again, just keeping this patient-physician metaphor. What happens to me a lot, uh, and I'm sure it happens to you, is, Dr. Fauci, when would you be comfortable taking a trip to Europe? When you know, And they're, what they're really asking you is, when do you think things will get back to normal? But placing it in your own personal behavior, is that a fair way to, to get at it? Again, an- another very good uh, approach to the issue, and it has to do with what we call the relative risk and the risk that someone is willing to take. So what happens is that since there's different risk aversion in society, when the CDC says, you know, if you're vaccinated, you can or cannot do this, someone is always going to be arguing with that recommendation, thinking it's either too stringent or not. When really what we're saying is, These are the broad general scope of how to think about things. And everybody has a different um, gauge on the amount of risk they want to take. And there are some that are going to say, hey, I'm vaccinated. I don't care. My risk is very low for everything. I'm going to do whatever the heck I want to do. And there are some that are going to say, you know, I'm vaccinated, but I really I want to get that risk as low as it possibly could be. It's a really important point, I think, from a communication standpoint. Do you take the extra step or do you just present the objective data? So I often get asked, like, what would you do? And and mm. not infrequently, I would either be on one side or the other of what the recommendation is. But as an official, you have to be careful that you don't get ahead of the CDC or behind the CDC. Because the one thing you don't want is people say, look at this. These people, they're disagreeing with each other because what it doesn't take into account that you have to have something that is broadly applicable to the country with variations. But when you put down a recommendation, it's very tough to say, and by the way, there's this range of what you're able to accept as a relative risk. So that's the thing that gets confusing in the messaging. Yeah, I mean, and and I, I've been talking to a lot of even leaders in healthcare, and they'll always bring up some sort of example of, hey, look, so this state, take Florida, for example, did X, Y, and Z. California, another state, did X, Y, and Z, different, and and yet they've had different outcomes in terms of the overall number of cases or the curve and all that. And they, and they sometimes will ask it in a way to suggest that maybe the mitigation strategies that were suggested didn't work. Is that something that, you know, it bothers you when people ask you that sort of thing? Is it, is it a worthy discussion? No, it absolutely is something that's very difficult if you don't know the granularity of what actually was done in the state. Right. So you could say, well, this state had these guidelines and they did fine. This state had these guidelines and they didn't do as well. So maybe the best thing to do is to just go out and don't wear a mask and do whatever you want. Well, you, you can't do that, Sanjay, because, I mean, if you look at that, you know, the way we tracked and traced how well we shut down at a time when we were supposed to shut down, a lot of those places when you do the GPS and find out where their phones were, they weren't shutting down. So the one thing you do is you do the extreme. If say so in other words are you arguing that shutting that that restrictions on 
movement and restrictions on, on what you can do don't make any difference, then you say, okay, let's go to the extreme and look at the countries and the states that right. actually shut down. Yeah. When you shut down, the infections disappear, <laughs> for sure, if you really shut down. So are you judging upon what the rule was or what actually people did? Yeah, I, I think it's such an important point, and it goes both ways. You know, there's a children's book about you, which I, I just think is wonderful. You've thought about writing a book yourself. I know, or I don't know, maybe you've already, that's in the works. Is, is there a specific thing that you would like to be part of your legacy when it comes to COVID-19? Something that you'd make sure was included in these books? Well, yeah, I mean, it's something that I do every single day. I mean, you try, uh, it, it is what I said a moment ago, and I'm not, I don't mean to be melodramatic about it uh, at all, Sanjay, but it's, it's as if, you know, I'm a physician and a scientist, and when I entered into the arena of global health, the, the country became my patient. And I just want to be remembered as I really took really good care of my patient. When you think about a year from now and the impact of this pandemic, just the basic things, do you, do you think people will go back to the office? Will they hug their friends and neighbors again? I, I, do, do you think that there's going to be long-lasting ramifications after this in terms of our behavior and our movements? And have you ever seen anything like this? No, I've not. I, you know, I've been through outbreaks from the very, very beginning for the 37 years I've been doing this. Nothing even began to approach the impact that this has had. I think we will get a lot back to normal. I think people, as a natural human nature, care so much about physical interaction that the hugging and the physical contact will come back. I do not think that's going to disappear. I cannot imagine we'll become, you know, standoffish. But I do think that people are going to be thinking about public health more and that when there are outbreaks, for example, of influenza, I think that people during a winter season temporarily, you don't want to shut down the government, but might start wearing masks. One thing we learned is that the public health measure we instituted to keep out COVID-19 essentially wiped out influenza. Yeah. In Australia during their season, we've had like a hundred times less influenza this year than we had in previous years. It's remarkable how little influenza there has been. I think that's gonna be different, I, I really do. The other thing I think is gonna be different is that people are gonna realize that, is it really a good idea for me to get on a plane, to fly to Paris, to give a 35-minute lecture, and then come back through all that time when I gave just as good a lecture on a Zoom with all the technologies we have. I think you're going to see a lot more of people not going out of their way, knocking themselves out when they could communicate the way you and I are communicating right now. Is it money more than anything that's necessary going forward to try and make us pandemic proof, so to speak? You know, it is money, Sanjay, but it is also a realization of actually now what can happen. We've been talking about this for so long right now, and I think it's taking seriously that when you have a pandemic, there's preparedness and there's response. And we've got to get both limbs of that particular thing addressed. 
We've got to be prepared to make an investment, even though we may not use it. It's very similar to having a good Department of Defense and keeping the military. You hope you never have to use it, but you have to have it. And I think it's the same way with the investment in public health infrastructure, in preparedness, in in global health security network, all those kinds of things. I just want to tell you on a personal note, uh, I'm glad you're doing well physically. I I hope you're doing well mentally and emotionally as well. I know this has been a challenging time. There have been times that you've talked me off a cliff in the middle of everything else that you're doing. I called you up a few times and, and you said, hey, you're having a bad day, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. And I hate to be complaining to you about this of all people, but somehow you were able to just even then in the midst of what I thought was a really uh, tough time to talk me off the cliff as well. So I, I, I have so many uh, thanks to give to you uh, my own behalf and on behalf of a grateful nation. So Really, really appreciate it, Dr. Fauci. And and there's nothing good that's come out of this pandemic, but maybe the fact that I've had a chance to spend more time with you is, is, is one of them. Yeah, likewise, Sanjay. I feel the same way. I do. Take care. I know I'm not alone in my gratitude for Dr. Fauci's consistent calm over the past year. It can't have been easy for an 80-year-old to work at this pace, but we're so lucky he has. Let's hope the history books do remember everything he's done to save lives during this pandemic. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. When you work, you work next level. When you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.